Now then, at just about 1.07, uh, we can just catch up, first of all, now uh, kicking off this second hour in earnest with Morgan Stanley's prediction that the global economic recovery would be delayed but not derailed by COVID-19. Professor Dick Starts from the Department of Economics at the University of California, Santa Barbara, is on the line. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, hello, it's good to talk to you. I, I was listening to you just before the break and I... And I have to say, I think you identified the really, really key issue, which is, is this almost over, or is it going to linger on for months, or is it going to, as you mentioned, the risk of uh, be something which keeps coming back? Yeah, and, and, and also, whether we hear of COVID-19 again, what seems inevitable in the coming years is that is that we're going to have pandemics or epidemics, some kind of outbreak beyond local regions. Uh, and the world has to be able to find ways to, to, I guess, strengthen its fundamentals to cope with that. Uh, yes, you know, um, in terms of just disease, uh, what we've seen so far is it's just not as bad as the flu is in terms of the number of people sick or the number of people dying. The, the real difference here is it's just totally, for the economics side, is it's just, disrupting the global supply chain in ways that are worse in Korea than, say, they are in the United States. Right. So there's one aspect of it, which is the kind of sentiment side, which can be influenced by what you just said. And then there's the very, very practical side, which is due to quarantine and travel restrictions and people not working and China being the base for so much global manufacturing. It's really a big threat if this carries on for much longer, right? Yeah, yes. Well, so, um, you know, the, I'm part of it because it's a disease we haven't seen before. We don't know how long it's going to carry on. It, sort of, some of the predictions seem to be it's getting under control and, you know, it'll be several more weeks or another month and then it'll be more okay. And then, as you said, there are other people saying we really don't know. Um, if it's brought under control fairly soon, then frankly, for the world as a whole, this is going to be a minor blip for, of course, the people affected. It's terrible. Um, if it continues on in a way that requires us to keep having these quarantines and travel bans, that could be not so good for the economy. If we were to do an experiment and go around our homes and have a look at Made in China labels, though, uh, or, or other places that are very sorely affected by this outbreak, it would be potentially very worrying. Uh, How long can our supply chain cope, do you think? Well, let me say, I I think that the way you said it is is not quite right. It's the issue of things that are made in many places. But let's say that have a label saying made in Korea, but they've got one part made in China and that, and you know, they have a handle or something, and they can't ship the entire thing because they're missing that one small part. That's what's really being uh, disruptive. Um, so if you look at the United States uh, versus trading with China, um, 1% to 3% of our economy is trade with China. If you look at Korea, it's like 10%. Mm. And so, th- frankly, in the United States, this just this has been a nuisance, but not more than that. But I'm I know that in Korea it's already been somewhat more serious. Yeah, it's a very important distinction you make. There's the made in China goods, but uh, the, the 
the hidden uh, parts, like, for example, the automotive industry here is, we right. know, been I, affected I already. Hyundai was, was shut for a while. Right, oh. indeed. But, but yeah. something we had to have kind of practice with on this was, for political reasons with Japan, when the tech sector was hit by export restrictions, countries have to be prepared for the unexpected, don't they, especially when it comes to relying on parts from other countries? Well, it would be good if they were prepared, but, you know, it's very hard. It costs something to have standby ways of getting parts. Um, there's a, I think the question you're raising is a good one, is will we learn from this that we need to have to build in some more flexibility uh, for these kind of dimensions? Uh, and I don't know whether we will or not. Well, I suppose it's also a bit like the vaccine debate in a very different sense, but the similarity might be that it just doesn't make economic sense to do so. And as long as that's the case, um, it requires people to be prepared to lose money just to have an insurance policy. I, I, th- I think that's a, a very good way of, uh, of putting it. Now... Without being too doom and gloom about this, of course, we're also being warned not to look too far ahead. The, the IMF uh, managing director, Kristalina Georgieva, warned, just going into this weekend, against trying to make predictions because of a lack of information, saying experts forecasting the economic impact were themselves taking a risk. Is that understandable given her position? Do you agree with her caution at this point? No, I, 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 I completely agree. And, um, you know, there there are two parts of this, which is if we knew how much disruption was going to come from the uh, coronavirus, we could then make some kind of guess as to how much economic damage we are going to see. But because this is a, 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 a little bit different, it's not just that there's a slowdown in China, it's that there's all sorts of parts that all of a sudden you just can't get. So that's one thing. But the other real part is the medical side. We really don't know how long this virus will uh, continue. If it's all over soon, the economic impact globally is, is just not terribly important. But suppose it, can, it continued at a low level in a way that we had to re- keep on with travel bans and quarantines, that could be very disruptive. It's probably not what's going to happen, but we really don't know. So I, I think the advice to not be taking forecasts too seriously is really quite good at this point. The other thing, though, based on what we already can talk about definitively is the way in which numbers are often reflected later, either in the next quarter or or when all the indicators catch up. And the industries that have been hit hard, we know airlines, for example, in Korea have been hit hard by by lack of or a reduction in travel backwards and forwards to China – universities relying on Chinese students globally, but including here in Korea, and of course the tourism sectors generally in various countries in this region and beyond. Um, How much of a cost would you say at this point that's having? Well, I'll tell you what makes it... uh, I mean, in those specific sectors, there there clearly are uh, some important issues. Here's what makes it a little hard to know. Um, I mean, Chinese tourism, for example, Chinese visiting other countries is very important. Uh, People from China just can't do it at all now. Um, Does that mean they're just people who are going to have a holiday abroad just will never have it? Or does it just mean they're going to have it four months later? So in in the case of many uh, natural disasters in the past, 
uh, there's a, a noticeable dip. But then when you come and look afterwards, there's actually a bit of an extra boost as people are making up by spending what they couldn't earlier. Um, is that going to happen this time? I, I don't know. Uh, it, there's some play, things I'm, I'm told by some of my, student, my Chinese students that this is being very hard on small businesses in China and places like restaurants because just nobody's going out, and that's probably not going to get made up for. Um, the tourism, harder to say. It's a very small number of infections at 15 overall in the United States at, at the moment. But as we were told by a guest earlier in the show, the U.S. remains very interested in this outbreak. What's the atmosphere and more practical implications been like for your university, UC Santa Barbara? Well, in, in fact, um, uh, so far, uh, almost nothing. What we have done, the entire University of California, and this is true of America, many American universities, is we have stopped all travel to China. Uh, uh, many American universities uh, are were t- who had students studying abroad uh, in China brought them home very quickly. And uh, but American universities by the end of January, almost all American universities were already in session. So the Chinese students who are going to come to the United States for this term were already here. And so there's been very, very little uh, direct effect. If you were to look in Australia, where the term starts later and where there are many Chinese students, there I suspect there may be a much larger effect. Uh, people here are a little worried. Um, I mean, I, I contacted some of my former students who are in Beijing and who have a, a delightful two-year-old daughter, and I was really worried about them. And got back a very reassuring note that they had happened to go to Taiwan for a family vacation before this happened, so they can't go back to Beijing at the moment, but they're, they're fine. So we're, we're all worried about our colleagues and, and, and students and things like that. But the truth is, inside the United States, there just hasn't been terribly much effect at all yet. Well, it's helpful to get that stance. Professor starts from the University of California, Santa Barbara. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much. And uh, apologies to our listeners. Uh, we've had a, a poor connection during the course of that interview at times, but we've also had a, a poor connection before that. And we'll do our best to uh, ensure as smooth connections as possible for the rest of this special show. You're listening to TBS EFM's COVID-19 Live Updates. The Health and Welfare Ministry has designated over 500 clinics with separate facilities that are being used exclusively to treat patients showing symptoms of the novel coronavirus, such as fever and respiratory issues. The government aims to identify suspected patients at an early stage through diagnosis at the designated clinics. The list of these clinics can be found on the websites of the Health Ministry, mohw.go.kr, and the Korea Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, cdc.go.kr.